I'm outside an exclusive sneaker spot in Lower East Side, New York City. It's mid-afternoon, and there's a steady stream of people coming in and out of the store. I want to see if this store has a pair of kicks I've had my eyes on for a while. And because I want to test this theory I have. And I'm looking inside the store, I see no women. Not even one. Let's go inside, let's see what they're working with. First of all, this place looks more like a sneaker gallery than a shoe store. The walls are white. They're lined up with just four rows of shoes. All the kicks are lit up from behind. I am mesmerized. So basically, I'm looking at um, men's sneakers. I'm gonna look for the women section. Where's the women section? We don't have really a big Oh, you don't have a big one? Why is that? don't know. Okay. If you didn't catch that, the salesman said the store doesn't have a big women's collection. There's just one row of women's sneakers. And it only consists of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight different kind of sneakers and three flip-flops. Chocolate us, if you know what I'm talking about. So my theory is confirmed. This beautiful shoe store sells 72 pairs of sneakers for men and less than a dozen for women. It's nowhere near even. I'm not that surprised because this is what I'm used to. I don't bother looking at the women's section when I walk into a sneaker store like this one. I just know it's not gonna have what I'm looking for. I'm Scotty Beam. You might know me from Hot 97's Morning Show where I got my start behind the mic. I've been big into sneakers since I was a kid. Sneakers are how I express my individuality without using words. I adore them. Wearing a good pair of sneakers makes me feel like I could take on the day. Sometimes people assume I'm into kicks because of my boyfriend or maybe my dad got me into them or some other man in my life. Nah, I'm into kicks on my own. Sneakers are not just for men. There are women like me into kicks for real, for real. And I am not alone. You're listening to the first episode of Flipping the Game, a series from Reebok Classic about how one sneaker changed the world and how the world still needs to change. So, that one sneaker that changed the world... That was the Reebok Freestyle. It was the first athletic shoe designed just for women in 1982. I'm going to repeat that. It took until 1982 for someone to create a workout shoe just for women so we can rock a style of our own that actually fit our feet. To understand the story of how this shoe came to be, let's leave New York City in 2018. We're going to go back in time to California in the early 1980s and meet the driving force behind the freestyle. My name is Angel Martinez. Angel Martinez was one of the first employees at Reebok. His job was to meet with shoe store owners and get Reebok running shoes into their stores. If you were a very high-level runner, you know, you always wanted the lightest shoes you could get, and Reebok made the lightest racing shoe in the market. For a while, things were going well for Reebok. Running was big in the late 70s. But by 1981, the running market had peaked. Retailers were only stocking the top brands. We were not in the top five. We were not in the top six. We were probably number eight or something like that in running shoes. 
Angel drove up and down the West Coast meeting with these store owners. His trips weren't going well. And I'm driving home from Seattle to the Bay Area, and uh, I realized I'd lost money in three weeks, uh, which was terrible. Angel knew Reebok needed to make a shoe that would help the company stand out. Something other than running shoes. It had to tap a new market. And he had one new market in mind. There was this workout Angel had done with his wife. It involved high kicks, fast-paced music, lots of women, and it was getting more and more popular. Ready and press. Press. Aerobics. That's it. Now remember, do the best you can. If you were born in the 90s, like me, and don't remember anyone doing aerobics, you've heard of it. Aerobics was huge in the 80s. Think of it as dance on steroids. It made you sweat. Smile, everybody. We're going to burn fat. Women of all ages were pushing themselves to their physical limits in public. That doesn't sound like a big deal now, but back in the 80s, it was revolutionary. Come on for the waistline. Back then, most women didn't go to the gym. There was no CrossFit, no spinning, and yoga was nowhere as big as it is today. Aerobics classes were led by fit, kick-ass ladies in leotards. The leotards I wore in the 80s were high-cut and right up the butt. Denise Austin was an instructor leading the aerobics movement in L.A. Hi, everybody. I'm Denise Austin, and I love to help people get fit. Now, I know, if I'd been around back in the day, I'd definitely be bopping with Denise. Lift that leg, side, side. Denise was a rising fitness star. That's it. She got her start with a workout segment on a local morning TV show. And her classes in L.A. were jam-packed with women eager to try this new workout. Working on our cardiovascular system. You know, I'd go, woo, two more, we can do it. Woo, two more, one. We do the grapevine, kind of did a step behind, step touch, step behind, step touch, and then you start working your arms in it. Aerobics made exercising trendy. If you were a woman and had time to work on getting fit, you hit up an aerobics class. A lot of them would come up to me. It's the first time they were ever fit in their life or knew what it was to do a sit-up or work their ab muscles. They didn't even know what abs were or triceps or hamstrings or quadriceps. Aerobics made you sweat, sure, but it also had style. The aerobics uniform borrowed from dance. Women would wear high-cut leotards, matching tights, leg warmers, and a sweatband. But no one knew what to wear on their feet. A dance shoe was too flimsy. Tennis shoes didn't have enough support. Even running shoes were a bad option. Running shoes were not the best because we shuffle side to side. And a running shoe, I would be very nervous. But I'd say, you know, really pick up your feet. Don't, you know, drag your feet. Because if you're shuffling side to side, you can hurt your ankles. So here was a huge exercise trend with no footwear. Reebok sales rep Angel Martinez saw an opportunity. I called Steve Liggett, who was at the time head of production, and I said, Steve, we got to do aerobic shoes. So I started formulating the components of the shoe in my mind. This is Steve Liggett. And the shoe he was formulating in his mind, that was the freestyle. The fact that he was designing it for women only was actually very revolutionary. 
I know what you're thinking. Women had sneakers. Aren't tennis shoes and running shoes athletic shoes? The thing was, those shoes were made for men first. Sneaker companies would basically take the male model of those shoes and shrink it down for women. The freestyle was unique because it was made for women first and women only. There was no male version. But the men who designed the shoe made certain, let's say, assumptions about what women wanted. It's got to look pretty. It's got to really look appealing on the foot because it's a woman's product. And I had this thought that it needed to look like a ballerina shoe. If you're like me and you're rolling your eyes right now, just remember, this is the 80s. And these guys are making a sneaker for women for basically the first time. But the thing is, this ultra-feminine look worked for aerobics. So for the shoes design, Reebok settled on a narrow silhouette with soft leather. Steve worked up samples. Leather would naturally wrinkle. And that was one of the appeals of the shoe, that it actually looked like you were wearing like an old bomber's jacket that was well-worn in, but fit really nice. Angel and his boss, Paul Fireman, the CEO of Reebok at the time, went to a sport and fitness expo in downtown Los Angeles. They wanted the biggest aerobics instructor in LA, Denise Austin, to wear the freestyle. And they came up to me and they said, oh, I noticed that you're going to go up on the stage. So they went and they got my size and I wore them up on stage while I was demonstrating aerobics. And I loved them because you could point your toe. It absorbs a shock and they were so cute. Reebok paid Denise to wear the freestyle whenever she taught aerobics, either on TV or at the gym. They were basically doing what brands and Instagram influencers do now, way before social media was invented. Aerobics was so big and the instructors were such stars that the people who took their classes wanted to dress just like them. So, if an instructor wore something on Monday, by Thursday, everyone in class would have copped that look. Angel says, right around the time that Denise wore the shoe, the market cracked open. The shoes arrived, we shipped them, they hit the stores. Then, at the end of the second week, you could not find a pair on the shelves anywhere in the state of California. Denise got every color of the freestyle first. Bubblegum pink, baby blue, and white, you know, feminine colors. And then she started rocking these bolder colors. Bright red, yellow, and neon orange. And she'd wear them outside the gym to match her outfits. Yes, sis? I didn't realize I was in the fashion world until I went to New York and did magazines. And I felt like when I got there, I had every Reebok color shoe. And the, you know, magazine editors would say, oh, my gosh, you have to wear those yellow ones. You know, I just thought I was starting aerobics, but it did become part of the fashion world. Denise had been so in her fitness bubble. She hadn't realized the freestyle had taken a life of its own far from California. That's because another huge movement was happening around the same time in New York City. Hip-hop. In the 1980s, a new style was emerging around the hip-hop scene. Young people were remixing popular brands, wearing clothes in totally new ways. Fly gear that made you look fresh was as big and important to hip-hop as the music itself. 
We wore shrimp earrings. Mm -hmm. We wore dolphin earrings. We wore bamboos. I can remember Lee suits. That's April Walker. She's one of the early pioneers of streetwear. April founded Walker Wear, a brand worn by some of the biggest names in hip hop. April grew up in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn in the mid 80s. And when it came to looking fresh with the latest styles, April got the hottest stuff from Boosters. They would be on the block and we would see them coming in and everybody be outside and they'd be like, yo. If you don't know what Boosters do, they're people from the hood who go into stores, steal the hottest merchandise, and sell it on the street for a discounted price. My favorite type of people. I love me a discount. And they came and they let us know, you know, these are aerobic sneakers, da-da-da, da-da-da, but they're fresh to death and you want to get them. Side note here. The freestyle costs $54.11 with tax in New York. And that's how the freestyle got the nickname, the 5411s. 5411s became a big part of hip-hop culture. For me, personally, I heard about the 5411s from a DMX song, How It's Going Down. 5411, South 7, the girls, that's my joint. If the boosters were bringing them around and they didn't fail me at, at that point, so I was like, I'm supposed to wear these. So that's what 5411s meant for me, like wearing it and breaking it in before everybody had it. Fashion in April's neighborhood was competitive. This is back in the days of breakdancing, the very beginning of hip-hop. You'd wear matching tracksuits with your crew, but your shoes were where you could break out and show your own style. So getting fire kicks and keeping them clean was paramount. April didn't breakdance, but she was deep into hip-hop, and her kicks were always on 10. I tell you, I was all fashion, so for me it was more about the style, and having something ahead of time. So while I wasn't doing aerobics, I was being fashion fly aerobics. At this point, the freestyle was poised to blow up. You were starting to see it everywhere. Aerobics babes in LA were sporting it. B-girls in Brooklyn were rocking the 5411s. They even showed up on the red carpet in 1985. Sybil Shepard was the star of the TV show Moonlighting. Her character was an equal to her male co-star like no other female character on television. That year, Sybil showed up on the Emmy's red carpet in a look that stunned everybody. She comes out in this long flowing gown wearing neon orange Reebok high tops. Sybil was rocking the freestyle. At the time, that move read as total rebellion. She told a magazine that heels were like bondage and she didn't want to ruin her feet. Yes, Sybil, I feel that. Angel was watching the Emmys at home in his living room that evening. His phone rang. It was his boss, Paul Fireman, the CEO of Reebok. And he was breathless. He was, oh my God, he was just so excited. You know, he's beside himself. It was so exciting because he knew what that meant. I said, yeah, just buckle up your seatbelt. This is going to get intense, you know, and it did. After that, sales at Reebok exploded. Before the freestyle, Reebok was pulling in $12.8 million. But after the shoe had been out for a couple of years, Reebok had earned $1.4 billion, with a B, in sales. That one sneaker was just everywhere. That's Jasmine Gonzalez. She grew up in Bushwick, Brooklyn in the early 80s. On social media, I'm known as uh, Kixie Jixie. My friends call me Jixie. While Jixie was growing up, women were entering the male-dominated working world. 
This was the era when women started wearing more masculine clothes. You know the look. Blazers with big old shoulder pads and pantsuits. Women started to trade in their high heels for more comfortable sneakers for their commute. And a lot of those women turned to the freestyle. My grandmother went to work every day, right? And when she went to work, she worked in the schools. She had to throw on a pair of Reebok and she would choke the Velcro really tight because that's how she wore it. And she would put her bag and jump on the train. Jixi saw the women around her wearing the freestyle, and that had a huge effect on her. She fell in love with sneakers, and as she grew up, she started collecting them. She now has more than a thousand pairs of kicks, including 50 pairs of the freestyle. I compare it to car collecting, right? If you collect cars or you're a car enthusiast, you know the engines, you know the models, you know everything about cars. So it's like with sneakers, I got to learn a lot about sneakers, and I just naturally just like to decompress, it's always sneakers. Thousands of women fell in love with sneakers because of the freestyle. We went on to become collectors. But here's the big thing about Jixie's collecting and my collecting. My collection is full of men's kicks. But the freestyle is still the only shoe in my collection that was designed for women first. And it's been 30 years since the sneaker came out. The hottest, trendiest sneakers come out in men's sizes only. Some sneaker companies would rather make a shoe for kids than adult women. I'm just saying, sneaker culture is still a boys club. Getting a foot in the door isn't easy if you're a female collector like me. Next time on Flipping the Game, what it means and why it matters when women are left out of sneaker culture. That 13-year-old girl who's walking into the sneaker store and, you know, maybe there's like five shoes available to them. There's no offering. And it's setting a directive for that young woman of, like, who she can't be and immediately excluding her from a lifetime of possibilities that she can't even imagine because there's no offering for her. This episode was produced by Julia Botero, Jorge Estrada, Abby Rizika, and me, Scotty Beam. Our editor is Rachel Ward. Katherine Anderson mixed this episode. Music by Haley Shaw and Track Girl. Special thanks to Angel Martinez, Steve Liggett, Nancy Spencer, Natalia Petraleza, and Elizabeth Simohek. April Walker, who you heard from earlier in this episode, has a new book out. Check it out in the show notes at flippingthegamepodcast.com. To continue the conversation and see more from the brand that brought you the freestyle, hi. Follow Reebok Classic on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're enjoying this, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners discover the show. Flipping the Game is a podcast created by Reebok Classic and Gimlet Creative. I'm Scotty Beam. Thanks for listening. See you in episode two.